0: Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society.
1: The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide.
0: For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. Hi, I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And I'm Charles Epting of HR Harmer in New York City.
1: And this is Conversations with Philatelists. With each other. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, This is going to be a two-part episode we have given people uh, a look at what it is that we do before uh, sort mm-hmm. of a peek behind the curtain. Yeah. I came up to New Hampshire, we broke down a collection together, had a really good time doing it. Uh, but we thought it would be fun to, um, you know, sort of let people in on our uh, you know, professions a little bit more. And, yeah. you know, it, it's one thing to, to break up a 50 box consignment, like we, uh, like we did that day. But um, you know, so much of what we do is on a much smaller scale dealing mm-hmm. with, individual stamps and covers rather than boxes. Mm -hmm. So we thought it would be fun. This week, I'm going to uh, sort of walk everybody through uh, the process of describing an auction lot or a couple of auction lots that I've got sitting next to me. And then uh, next week's episode, you are going to break down a collection, what gets pulled out, what gets left in, uh, you know, sort of the um, uh, you know, the the things that you do on a daily basis and probably take for granted a lot, and the things that I certainly yeah. take for granted, we're going to um, sort of walk people through what that's like.
1: Yeah, exactly. We got in um, a Vatican collection and a Greece collection, among other collections, uh, yesterday. And I thought they'd be perfect for kind of showing people the pros and cons to breaking out individual stamps, leaving sets in albums, And talk a little bit about the market for different quality of stamps and what the benefit may be to leaving a high catalog value set in or pulling it out and when uh, is a good time to kind of break your collection or if the collection will do good uh, as a whole. But I'm interested to hear
0: how you guys lot things because I don't think we've ever gone through that. Or we, describe we, collections.
1: I don't think we we haven't,
0: so I, I, I'm I'm going to break it down sort of into like easy, medium, and hard because mm-hmm. there really are different levels of uh, of describing. Um, mm-hmm. we, you know, we're, uh, we're going to start with the most basic, the the I don't want to say the easiest because it's still very important and still very requires nice. a lot of attention to detail, but the sort of the the most um, ran- ranging from the most literature, the most reference material to the least when you're really truly on your own. Okay. Um, So I've got four items here that I'm going to work through. Perfect. Um, I'm going to show the item. I'm going to talk about the item a little bit. And then I've actually, I'm going to share my screen a whole bunch today yeah. Yeah. um, because I've actually got a Word document open and I'm going to write actually the line. Them I'm actually going to describe these items. In, li-
1: <laughs> in real time.
0: In real time, exactly. Um, love Even that. though I've already described all of these and a couple oh, okay. of them are coming up for sale next week, but I'm going to re-describe them. Okay. Um, because I do think it's a, an interesting look behind the curtain. So yeah. um, first things first, I'm going to start with the easiest. Um, okay. And I don't Great. mean easy because it still requires a lot of attention to detail. It's still, uh, you know, it, it's very important. But it's easy in a way, and I will show Great. you why. A stamp like this. Yeah. I cent apologize. Bank note. Seven cent bank note. Right. It's got to cancel. Looks pretty good. What makes this easy, though? is that it is accompanied by a certificate mm-hmm. the certificate says the 2010 certificate uh scott 138 1871 seven cent vermilion. it is genuine used grade vxf xf 85 mm-hmm. yeah so before we go any further i want to reiterate one of the first things i was ever taught okay the first thing you have to do when you have a certificate and a stamp mm-hmm. do you want to guess what it is make sure that's the right stamp or yes okay yes because either nefariously or carelessly yeah it happens more often than i care to admit that we will have a one dollar colombian and a cert for a one dollar colombian and you line the perfs up or you line the centering up and it's not the same stamp yeah again most times it's probably just a mistake they got mixed up at some point yeah but you have to make sure the, the stamp you're holding in your hand is the same as the stamp picture on the certificate. Mm-hmm. Luckily here, you see it's got that X in a circle cancellation. Mm-hmm. And the stamp on the certificate has the same cancellation, same yeah. perfs, same everything. Good news is this is the same stamp. Yeah. So it's got a graded certificate. What's the next thing we do? I'm going to share my screen. We are going to go to... PSE's website. Can you see this? Yes. So on PSE's website, they have SMQ, Stamp Market Quarterly, and Population Report. Mm-hmm. This is the valuation guide for graded PSE certificates. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to Stamp Market Quarterly. We're going to type in 137. This is the stamp that I've got in my hand. We are looking at a used stamp
2: mm-hmm.
0: in the grade of 85. 85. right? So this stamp's SMQ value is seven hundred dollars. Yeah, this is
1: for those um, who don't know, do you want to explain what SMQ?
0: Yes, that's a good idea for stamps that are graded by PSE. Mm -hmm. There is a valuation guide called Stamp Market Quarterly that is published physically every quarter, but is updated on the website maybe quarterly, maybe in real time, I'm not quite sure, mm-hmm. but it's always up to date yeah. and it updates more frequently than a Scott catalog, for mm-hmm. sure. If you have a graded stamp, generally above the grade of 80,
2: mm-hmm. the
0: Scott catalog value is not what is important. Right, It is the graded value. Mm-hmm. Now, Scott catalog also publishes a grading valuation guide. It's the right. yellow pages in the middle of a Scott catalog, but for PSE certificates, SMQ is the go to. This is what you need to check.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I've got a PSE certificate here. 138, 7 cent vermilion, graded 85 in used condition is mm-hmm. $675. Yeah. So now it comes time to write the description. Every auction house has their own convention. I'm going to use Harmer's convention. Makes sense. So we've got Google Docs open. Yeah, H.R. Harmer's convention is to start with the Scott number.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we type 138, comma, followed by the year, 1871. Okay. The denomination, yep. seven cent, and the color, million. Okay. Comma. Then the... Attributes of the stamp. So you look at the mm-hmm. stamp. I'd say that's an attractive X yeah. in circle cancellation. Could be a lot uglier. Could uh you know, could be a smudge cancel or something like that. So yeah. I'm gonna say attractive X in circle cancellation. Balanced margins. Everyone gets to see how sloppy I type now. <laughs> Fresh and attractive. 2010. PSC certificate graded, VF to XF, 85. And in parentheses, we put the SMQ value of 675. And
1: you don't mention the Scott, uh, Scott value whatsoever because it's not...
0: Exactly. The Scott value is for a stamp in the grade of very fine. Generally, yep. there's exceptions to that. So whatever a stamp in very fine condition is worth has little bearing on a stamp valued greater than very fine. So when you've got a VF to XF85 stamp, all you want to do is just put the SMQ value. If you have a stamp that is not graded, maybe doesn't have a certificate, then that Scott value goes right at the end. Mm -hmm. So the the main things for a Harmer description are the Scott catalog number, year, denomination, color. Description, nice attributes first. Faults mentioned at the end. Luckily, the stamp has no faults, mm-hmm. and then at the end you put the grade, whether that's a visual grade of very fine or fine, or if it has a certificate, that will give you the grade. Yes. And then in parentheses at the end is the catalog value, whether that be Scott or SMQ for mm-hmm. a British stamp at Stanley Gibbons, etc. Mm-hmm. Then we would set the start price. Typically, we find that stamps sell for gonna really generalize here 60 to 70 percent of SMQ value. Okay. So we start stuff at generally half of SMQ. Okay. So I would start a stamp like this at around $350. I'm not gonna put the start price now though because mm. it's more about the description that we're focusing on. Okay. Done. All the information we need is on the certificate and on SMQ uh PSE's website. Right. These stamps with a graded certificate are what I would consider to be the easiest things that we describe in that there's the least number of variables. Right. stamp with a grade is a stamp with a grade. There's a history of sale records Mm -hmm. and that's what it sells for. Perfect, perfect. So Michael, that was what I would consider to be the easiest thing that we work on. Next, I'm gonna bump it up to medium difficulty, okay? Okay. You are familiar with the 1876 centennial envelopes. Yes. Um, These were the first commemorative stamped envelopes issued by any country in the world. The first commemorative philatelic item issued anywhere, uh, issued by the United States. Right. Um, So it predates the first commemorative stamp by over a decade. First commemorative stamps of the Colombians in 1893. Right. You've got this envelope celebrating the centennial of the U.S. in 1876. These were issued in red and green. There were two different dyes. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask you what color this is, <laughs> but this is in purple. Okay. There was never a stamped envelope issued in this design in purple in the United States. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? Um, you tell me. It's a, it's a trial color proof. Right. And where do you go for trial color proofs of United States stamped envelopes? One might think Scott catalog. Mm-hmm. This is not listed in the Scott catalog. This is something we have to dig a little bit deeper for. And luckily, the United Postal Stationary Society issued a wonderful book that I'm going to give everyone a sneak peek of right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Can you see the it? A catalog of United States stamped envelope essays and
0: proofs. How perfect is that for something <laughs> exactly like what, what I've gotten for? <laughs> this is by dan under sander one of the uh, greats of united states postal stationery one of the mm-hmm. go tos one of the most knowledgeable people and luckily this book that was published a couple of years ago i'm gonna jump to page 172 lucky guess <laughs> there we see the stamped envelope 1876 issued for the centennial of the united states correct mm-hmm. yes and if you look there, look at that purple on white. There's two different shades of purple. We're not going to differentiate here. We're going to say calling it purple is good enough for our
1: okay purpose. Well, they don't even differentiate.
0: They don't. They don't. Okay. A- and a, sp- a specialist would um, would really uh, you know get into that, but yeah. we're going to call this E71JE. Mm-hmm. Does that seem fair.
1: Yes. Can I? Um, you can inquire as yes. to what is. So E71JE, what is 91E on the
0: right-hand side? I've never used this catalog before. That is an old catalog number that I don't recall off the top of my head. That is a a former catalog number. Luckily, the UPSS went through and labeled every stamped envelope by die number. So these are all numbered sequentially by die. Yeah. The 1876 Centennial Envelope were dies 71 and 72, which can be differentiated. Right. Uh, if you look in the Scott Catalog, it has to do with the number of lines in the die.
1: Okay.
0: So all of the 3-cent 1876 Envelope Type 1s are E71, okay? Mm-hmm. And then the different colors get their own minor listing. So it comes time to write this item.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We are going to go back to my... Google Docs. Google Doc. We are going to call this an Mm E71J-E. It's an 1876 three-cent centennial envelope, die 71, purple on white, trial color proof. There's our title. Yeah. It takes the same format, catalog number, year, denomination, and then a description of the item with the color. Yeah. You know what? This thing looks like it was printed uh, just yesterday. It's very,
1: yeah. I would Are you going to use my favorite term?
0: Very fine and fresh. What is your favorite term? Ooh,
1: I like post office fresh, but yeah, very fine I, and fresh.
0: <laughs> Michael, I would have used post office fresh except for one problem. Noah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a trial color proof that was never issued by the post office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you could not have gotten one of these at the post office, or else I probably would have used that term. Yeah. Then we put, uh, yeah, I'm going to say rare because it is rare. Mm-hmm. Only a few know. And then in parentheses, here I put SMQ 675 so people know what catalog I'm using.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Here I'm going to use Undersander 450. Perfect. And there we have it. It is not a Scott listed item, right? It is something that's a little bit trickier, a little bit more obscure, you could say. Yeah. But still, something that there is a catalog for, that is, if you know where to look, easy mm-hmm. enough to find, easy enough to describe. Done. There's our second item. There's our for, second me- media. For item.
1: those curious, where can they get that catalog?
0: That catalog is available to both members and non-members of the United Postal Stationery Society on the UPSS's website. I want to say it's only about $20. It is worth every penny uh, to download the PDF. If you have any interest whatsoever in postal stationery, go buy all of the catalogs they offer. We're going to take a look at another one right now. You ready for the medium-hard-ish item? Yes. Yes.
1: Oh, I remember you telling me about this.
0: Yes. That just looks like a normal reply card. Yep. Printed by the tens of millions, probably in the 1950s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Got the Liberty issue design, three cents, Statue of Liberty. Nothing special about it, right? Right. Where's the stamp, Michael?
1: On the other side.
0: It's a reply card. It's supposed to have a stamp on both sides right so you see here yeah this side of card is for address yeah that was printed on this side
1: what's missing is the other stamp it's on the other side they forgot
0: to print the other one they forgot to print one of the stamps exactly yeah this is an error probably uh, maybe another piece of paper fell in front of the printing machine and uh, mm-hmm. just blocked it or Somehow it was omitted. I'm not going to get into the details of printing reply cards. Yeah. But this is missing a stamp. Yeah. What do we do? Um, I assume this isn't going to be in Scott. An error like this is not in Scott. Correct. Right. So
1: is there some sort of postal reply card? Same. Yeah. Yeah. Same society,
0: same (laughs) website to buy it from. The United States Postal Card Catalog. It comes out every five years. Mm -hmm. Lou Bussey is the editor. It is an essential, essential catalog. Okay. And what we can do, I happen to know, thanks to my notes, that this card is called an MR27 by the uh, UPSS. Let's jump to this section of MR27, issue of 1850, 1958, I'm sorry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cross-reference. This is a Scott UY17. Okay. But this has so much more detail than right. a Scott catalog would have. Mm-hmm. So we're going to scroll down. Here's all the varieties. Yeah. And what do you know? Type 1 type on one, one, one side, side. Yeah. type 2 inscription only, no stamp on other side. Michael, does that sound like what we have here? It does it's sound got like the, what we have. It's got the inscription only. Can people still see me in the corner? Yep. It's got the inscription only. No stamp on the other yep. side. Yep. Type one. And and the different types are described in detail as well. That's not important. What's important is that it's missing a stamp. Right. Now, here we have the different prices. Okay. Or mint unused, and used. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Michael, where's the value? Uh, Charles, there is no value. There is no
0: value. It's just one in parentheses. Which means it's unique. Which means it's unique. When there's a number in parentheses, that's how many of this item there are. You're mm-hmm. picking up on this stuff, even though you've never used this catalog before. <laughs> right. You're Didn't really catching on. And I think you're going to use this more in the future. Yeah. Um, so this is unique.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So... So
1: when it comes to an item that's unique, you're not going to put a price of any kind. We're not, you not. I'm going to
0: skip over to my Google Doc again.
1: Yeah.
0: We're going to try and describe this as best we can.
2: Mhm.
1: And at the end, I'm looking forward to my favorite part. Where you What is your favorite part? Where you tell us how you're going to figure out what
0: the starting price for this is. Yep. I will do that. <laughs> so this is a 1958 yeah. 3 cent Liberty reply uh, message, reply card stamp omitted on reverse. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different ways to word this. Inscription, no stamp. This one's still uh, several sales away, so I'm going to work on cleaning this one up. We're just going to get the gist of it. Yeah, Um, We are going to say that it has a printed address and message on front. Reverse blank. Mm -hmm. Reverse with inscription, but no stamp. Trying to think what else there is to say about this. There's not much other Um, than. Yeah, I didn't say any faults, no nicking, no dings. No, no, it's actually in quite good shape. We're going to say very fine and unique. Yes. And then in our descriptions, we tend to make claims like unique, one of two known, earliest known copy. Whenever there's a really Mm -hmm. spectacular um, quality, Mm -hmm. we make that bold. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to say listed, but not. Price in UPSS. Okay. What's it worth?
1: So for something like this, would you look at what the items around it are worth that
0: are um... correct. So so I can tell you this was bought from Athelbaum, I believe. Okay. In the nineteen eighties. That's tough. So it has not seen the market in forty years. Correct. And the market has changed a lot since then. Yes. Yeah. What I tend to do is look at other fixed factors. This is a post-World War II postal card. Yeah. The market for post-World War II, even rare and unique items, is not the same as if it was a first-issue 1873 postal card that was unique in some way. Right, right. So it's modern. Right. That's going to decrease the value.
1: Yeah.
0: But on the other hand, it's unique. Right. Which is going to increase the value. Right. You can absolutely look at things around it. Other errors on this postal card mm-hmm. are valued in the 150 hundred and seventy-five dollar range. That gives mm-hmm. us a starting point at least. Right. Ultimately, though, as a describer, mm-hmm. it is my job to a protect the consigner. I don't want to sell this for we know it's not worth $20. We know it's worth more than that. Yeah. But we also have to let the market determine for itself what it's worth. Right. So my job is to set a start price that is both fair to the consigner.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And allows people a, a, an opportunity to bid on this uninhibited mm-hmm. with no restrictions. Yeah, it's more of an art than a science. There is yeah. no, you know, if I showed this to five different describers, I'd probably get five different start prices. Mm-hmm. My gut feeling tells me I should start this in the hundred to hundred and fifty dollar range. Yeah, because I think it'll sell in the three to four hundred dollar range. Okay we will ultimately see we can circle back around after this item sells in december yeah that'd be cool and let people know what it sold for mm-hmm. but when an item is unique like that we have the catalog listing we have mm-hmm. the information about it but we ultimately do not know what it is worth and ultimately the top two postal card collectors who need this for their collection yeah will determine what this item is worth right
1: so can i circle back to the catalog for a second yes um the prices on there are they based loosely kind of around Scott values. So it's a percentage of
0: that, or are those like SMQ where it's the actual price? Generally, I would say that the more specialized the catalog, the more accurate the value. So So those
1: will be market
0: value prices. Generally now, now the, so so here's the thing, the Scott catalog value for a US number one used Mm -hmm. is based on thousands of sales every year. Yes. How many US number ones change hands? Yeah. I mean, between the two of us, we sell I know. Close yeah. to 100 a year. Yeah. An item like this is unique, right. an item that there's only five or 10 known of. Mm-hmm. They can easily track every sale record. Mm-hmm. So if there's only five copies known of that trial color proof, of the centennial envelope,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I would say that the value is much closer to the realistic market value. Right. than Then it's got catalog value that everybody assumes to be a bit optimistic.
1: So why not? and this is this is just curiosity pure, pure curiosity i'm not uh why not put what the price it sold for an alpha in 1980 in the catalog i assume when your item sells in december they will update the catalog and say this is the market value for this unique item Correct. so
0: why does so why doesn't the postal card catalog list that value you mean? yes yeah i would say it's a combination of things i would say it's partially because that sale was so long ago right um, it may have also been a private sale and the, the sale value was not announced. Fair. If it was Fair. an Applebaum stock and it was sold privately, mm-hmm. then people wouldn't know. So it was probably a combination of those things. Also, um, with only one item and only one sale record 40 years ago, yeah, it's sometimes easier to just say, this is unique. Yeah. It, can, it is I can worth see that. what it you want it to be
1: worth. It can stunt the value if yes. you say it's worth 150 in 1980. Now it could sell for something like four
0: hundred, five hundred dollars. But if you Correct. say it's worth one hundred and fifty, I would say the more relevant information. Yeah. If if it's a postal card that there's two hundred of, yeah. what's relevant is what they sell for. Right. If it's a postal card that there's one of, what's relevant is that it's unique. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that's the biggest factor is that the uniqueness trumps the value that it okay. sold for forty years ago. Okay. So. There we have it, a unique postal card. Again, when it sells in December, let's have another uh, mm. episode where we can circle back around and see how it did. I'm going to close with what I call simultaneously the hardest and the easiest sort of thing we come across. Okay. Hmm. Okay. What's going on here, Michael? Post office. So it's
1: a grid cancel on the postal card. Um Jefferson County County, Ohio. Post
0: office the, at Linton.
1: Yeah. The Jefferson
0: ad- County, Ohio. Right. Groff's publication office. Okay. Linton J. Groff Postmaster. Okay. March 2nd, 1881. Like look at the detail of that cancellation. Does that mm. look like a hand stamp, a duplex that a postmaster would have applied? No, it looks
1: like a um like something placed with much more care. Like
0: a, like a press or something. It's a pre-cancel. Oh, it's a pre-cancel. It is a pre-cancel. Okay. These cards were prepared in bulk with this beautiful design as well. was right. uh, applied probably at the same time as the cancellation. So, it's an and 1881 then on, pre-cancel. It is an 1881 postal card pre-cancel. Pre-canceled postal cards are right. incredibly rare. Right. We sold the Josh Furman collection of pre-canceled postal cards earlier this year. Mm-hmm. You don't realize how scarce these things are. Yeah. I didn't realize they made them. This is an advertisement for supplies for a postmaster. For only $1, we will send the 11 articles below. A complaint book, mm-hmm. 50 beautiful post office <laughs> noteheads, one set of cancellation cards, one calendar for the year 1881, one copying pencil, one package of blotters, three rubber stamps, one card sign that says, lick your own stamps, and one card sign that says no admittance. Mm-hmm. These were supplies that a postmaster could buy to help them out around the office. Yeah, a that's... pencil, a blotter, yeah, things that a postmaster would need. This supply company in mm-hmm. Linton, Ohio, yeah. decided to sell these to postmasters. And they prepared their own pre-printed postal cards in order to sell them. That's...
1: Incredible, because thinking contextually, some of the conversations we've had before with the changing of hands of postmasters so quickly, and and anybody it was a political could be... appointment
0: still at this point. Exactly.
1: So they were almost changing hands every four years. A company like this putting out an advertisement like that, essentially giving a starter pack to postmasters who who wanted to people who just wanted to become postmasters like that. It contextually, it's really an interesting advertising card.
0: The other thing that's interesting is it yeah. shows going back to other conversations. We've had the dual roles that post off the postmaster. Yeah, yeah. So the postmaster Linton J. Groff was also the proprietor of Groff's publication office. Yeah. And he ran the post office out of his own business. Mm-hmm. So he was sort of two timing where he's carrying the mail and canceling his own mail yeah. while also selling supplies to other postmasters. Yeah. A postmaster today would not have a side business selling supplies at like one of the counters at their post office Yeah. also post offices or government buildings these days
1: michael where do you go for this um i assume back to the same catalog
0: incorrect really okay. pre-cancels are not listed in the postal oh, card catalog okay you're not even going to the postal card catalog a, there is you're going to
1: the pre-cancel catalog
0: there is a catalog of pre-canceled postal cards but that's not even where we're going to go here okay I'm gonna cheat okay do you mind if I break the rules no don't tell anyone even though we're <laughs> broadcasting this to the world great right. there happened to be a note on the back of this postal card when it arrived okay do you know where the gentleman purchased it HR armor <laughs> Michael yeah does, it, does that look familiar? <laughs> yeah. This postal card, yeah, was purchased from ourselves in sale three thousand and three, which took place in twenty thirteen. Before I joined the company, okay, and we can see right here mm-hmm. a full description. Yeah, and the start price, mm-hmm. the opening at the start of the auction. Yeah, and the hammer price one thousand and fifty dollars. Yeah. Now. I could, but I will not copy and paste this description. Okay. But this description does provide me with a lot of relevant information Mm -hmm. that helps me to write my own new description.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And even better, I know exactly what it sold for just eight short years ago. I'm going to interrupt you because
1: I'm sure people will ask, why won't you copy the description?
0: Two-part answer to that question. The first is that HR Harmer's website is not the only place you can go to find items that have sold in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, Siegel Power Search yeah. is an incredible resource.
2: Right. Siegel
0: Power Search—you can search by Scott number, by keyword, by whatnot—and a lot of items that come up for auction through us were bought previously by Siegel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, bought previously from right. Siegel. Right. So you can find an item in a Siegel sale. In that case, we cannot copy and paste the description because mm-hmm. it is somebody else's words. Right and this is something that is frowned upon in the auction business you can use that as a as a jumping off point you can yeah. use this as a resource but ultimately you have to write your own description yeah so i refer to power search all the time i look at what they did i go do my own research i synthesize different things and come up with a description that is unique and all my own mm-hmm. as for why i will not copy another h or harmer description mm-hmm. i could and there's obviously no copyright infringement or anything right. like that right. for me It's a personal thing. This description was written before I joined the company, and I want to challenge myself. I want Mm -hmm. to become a better describer. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I want to rewrite this description in my own words. Right. There are stamps that I have written that have been sold that have then come back to us on consignment. And in that case, I have been known to copy and paste the description that I myself Mm -hmm. wrote. Right. Can't plagiarize your own work. It doesn't count as plagiarism (laughs) if it's your own words. But ultimately some of the most difficult most challenging things that we come across Mm -hmm. there are pre-existing auction descriptions for them yeah and it makes our lives so much easier when i can say "Yep, that's that's this Mm -hmm. i know what it's sold for i know how it was described last time
1: so again jumping in real quick Sold eight years ago, one of the number one things you're going to want to do with this is double check the photos that are already there to see if there's been any damage to the
0: item. Since Absolutely correct. Has sold. there been any change? Sometimes we sell a stamp where the salvage has been removed yep. or something, something again, not, not nefarious, not it's no, been reperforated or yeah. something. But yeah, maybe this postcard was uh, got dinged in an album or got mm-hmm. creased or something. Before I go on, is that a cat? It is. It might be, or it could be a ferret. That's what I'm wondering. It may be a very... So, if anybody is a cat topical collector out there, (laughs) this will prove whether or not my mother watches my podcast.
2: Um, I'm
0: sorry. Yes, that is absolutely correct, though, Michael, that you do have to check on the condition. Maybe Mm -hmm. something's been erased. Maybe something's been added. Maybe something's been dinged, folded, nicked. Mm -hmm. You always want to check that. Luckily, this postcard came from a collector who was impeccable in his storage and it looks like it's in the same shape. I can basically use the same description and I know exactly what it should sell for Mm $1,050 is what it was worth a couple of years ago. That means there were a couple of underbidders probably since it opened at 800. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Ultimately, I'm probably going to start this postcard at $500 or
1: $750
0: So see where the market is at today.
1: For those who don't know why the start price was 600 opened at 8 there were bids before the actual there were bids
0: on was. the book so the the start price was 600 there were bids on the book that brought it to 800 then the live auction was called and that brought it ultimately to $1050 right i'm going i'm not going to want to start it at $1050 no. this time because no. the gentleman who bought it unfortunately has passed away and that means there's one less bidder on this item the value mm-hmm. might be higher might be lower it's been 8 or so years Again, we're going to let the market decide. I think starting at 50% of what it sold for last time is a great Mm -hmm. jumping off point. And we'll ultimately see where the dust settles this time. So Mm -hmm. I would love to go through these items in a couple of months and see, based on my start prices, what did they sell for? What does that tell us about the market? But ultimately, um, that's the fun of auction. And I I know you see that on eBay as well. We let these things do what they do. Um, You know, again, ranging from the simplistic like a stamp with a graded certificate to the obscure, like a pre-canceled postal card of which there are only four known, I believe that wasn't in the description last time. That's information that I have found out since. Um, I I hope this gives people an idea of what it is. I do, what do I look for? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what is it that goes into an auction description? It can be as easy as quoting a Scott catalog value. It can be as difficult as spending half a day researching the addressee or the sender or the route or the rate or the marking. Um, It really runs the gamut again from a stamp with a graded certificate, easy SMQ value done next Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to something that requires a bit more research, a unique reply card, missing the stamp on the reverse. Right. Right. That's what it is. I do. If people That's... found this interesting, I would love to do this again. I would love to show you foreign items or postal history items or different things like that. But I thought these four items gave a good overview of writing yeah. individual lot descriptions for HR Harmer. And again, we will circle back around in a couple of months and see what they sold for. Yeah, that'll be interesting.
1: I, I, think, this was, um, I think this was a good kind of look behind the curtain.
0: I hope so. Um, yeah. We'd love to hear feedback on stuff like this. But I'm excited for part two, where you're going to do the same thing with collection lots mm-hmm. that just came into your office. So I'm going to wrap up my part. I'm going to stop rambling. Um, <laughs> this is Conversations with Philatelists. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Podcasts, YouTube, philatelypodcast.com is our website, philatelypodcast at gmail.com is our email. We love Listener Mail. We should do another episode of Listener yeah. Mail coming yeah. up soon. We'll just, not a full episode of it, but, but mention it uh, in our closing statements. Um, Michael J. Court yeah. on Twitter and Charles L. Epting on Twitter, reach out to us, tweet at us, um, tell us what you think of, uh, us sort of mixing up the format, going from Legos to auction <laughs> previews, to lot descriptions, to whatever it is we're going to try week after next. Yeah. Um, we're having a lot of fun sort of breaking down barriers of the, uh, you know, sort of self-imposed format that we started off with. Right, and we'd love to hear what what everyone thinks of this. So uh, again, Michael, thank you for giving me the chance to no, of course,
1: you know share this what it is I do. This is a lot of fun. It's something I, will, I take uh,
0: for granted, and I love I love yeah. sharing with people. So let's um let's do it again real soon, like yeah. in a minute. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, we're going to record next week's episode right now. Uh, yeah. So if you notice us wearing the same clothes. We apologize.
1: Oh, that's a good point. We should yep.
0: <laughs> should have led yep. with that. Okay. Yes. All right. Um. Awesome, Michael. I will. Uh, I'll talk to you real soon. All
1: right.